Hi, this is Cass Clayton, and you're listening to Hollywood and Beyond with Steve Brittingham. Welcome to Hollywood and Beyond podcast with Cincinnati host Stephen Brittingham. Experience meaningful and in-depth interviews with Hollywood's most interesting people. Enjoy the show. Music appears courtesy of Cass Clayton. I see you walking in a gym, find your place at the bar. Pretty girl to the right, on the left, that over top. Seen you here before, bottom floor, on the main backstage. Yes, it wasn't time. emotion and heartfelt soul. The voice belongs to Cass Clayton. And that is a portion of track number one from her new album. The song is Play Nice from the newly released album of the same title, Play Nice. Cass Clayton returns to the show today and I am so excited to have her back. She first visited Hollywood and Beyond Back on episode number 51 from season one. Now it is season two and she returns today to give us an update on Play Nice. This is host Stephen Brittingham coming to you today from my hometown of Cincinnati, Ohio. As an actor, I have also lived in Los Angeles and did theater in North Carolina. In between, I resided a few wonderful, wonderful years in the city of Knoxville. To any of my friends down there in Knoxville, if you happen to be listening today, I miss and love you all. And to all of the listeners, wherever you may be, welcome to the show. As previously mentioned, Cass Clayton returns to the show today with an update on Play Nice. She is one of Colorado's most promising and talented vocalists. 
Soul and blues are some of her specialties. And she just happens to be a gifted slide guitarist. I can't say enough wonderful things about Cass Clayton. So I'd like to go ahead and say welcome back to Hollywood and Beyond, Cass Clayton. Oh, thank you so much, Stephen. I'm so glad to be back talking with you. Well, that makes two of us. I am absolutely <laughs> delighted. <laughs> How have you been doing? Oh, it's just been wonderful. I mean, since the release of the new album, we have it's just been incredibly busy and all in a good way. Things are really going in the direction that I had always hoped they would go. And it's just, you know, really holding on tight for the ride. Congratulations goes out to you, Cass. Thank uh, I've you. I've listened to the album several times, and I will continue doing so. Uh, just an outstanding artistic achievement. So uh, once again, congratulations you. to you. Thank you so much. I can't thank you enough for saying that, and, and I'm so thrilled that you're enjoying the music. I sure am, big time. Well, if folks happen to be listening out there, Cass, as I previously described, you were a guest back on season one, and I would like to to really stress uh, uh, the point that that interview is a wonderful interview, but it covers your, uh, your artistic journey. It covers um, mm -hmm, right. why you became interested in music. And it also discussed right. your first album and you were basically releasing Play Nice on the day that the uh, episode premiered. Now you are back to do a follow-up on Play Nice and to see how everything's gone since then. I hadn't listened to Play Nice when you were on the first time. And obviously, I have since then. So this is just a wonderful follow-up opportunity to see how Play Nice is doing. And I'd like to ask you, how has the response been so far? Oh, I mean, it's just been kind of way more wonderful than I ever could have predicted. And people are just loving the music. And, um, you know, the music to me is, it's like a conversation with myself and humanity about things that I can't really say in any other way. There's sometimes the only way you can talk about certain things is through art and it's being received so well. I think in an era where there isn't as much really deep storytelling and songs in every genre. I mean, that's excluding genres like singer songwriter. I think the country genre does it. Um, not necessarily in the pop country stuff, but there is some country stuff that is about telling the story. But um, in a lot of funk, soul, rock music, that's that doesn't happen in quite the same way all the time. And so I'm grateful to be able to be telling stories that I really care about um, that are true to me. And I feel like that's why people are connecting with it possibly is that it's not just any old story. I'm not just writing a song because it'll sound cool. I really, I think there has to be tension and some, something that's a little bit off that you need to talk about to feel motivated enough to write about it in that way. That is an excellent description. Thank you. It, it really does have so many uh, layers and elements of your songs when I listen to them. Thank you. Uh, 
And and one of the things that I wanted to share with you today is that it's it, it's very uh, interesting how when I'm listening to some of your songs, that sometimes I feel like there's some twists and turns or unexpected moments. And yeah. that could maybe be the change of the uh, tone of the music. It shifts in a different direction. Or your voice does. Or maybe your voice you know, rises up, and then at other times it softens. I, I really, really enjoy that uh, aspect of your singing style. Thank you so much. I think, well, first of all, one of the reasons I love our conversations and that I was excited about talking with you again is that you have this deeper, you know, a tendency to really listen deeply to music and you love music in a, in a way that is attentive. And so thank you for saying that. Um, I think part of that is the stories themselves will tell the music where it's going to go. But another part of that to give really due credit where it, it needs to be given Taylor Scott, who is the co-writer and producer, um, he's just a phenomenal composer and arranger and, you know, he's just really good at feeling when that song needs to change and um, when a bridge needs to happen to tell the rest of the story. And he produced our previous album too. So by the time we got to this album, we had this flow that really um, I could trust and really lean back on so that I wasn't as, worried about will the story come through correctly? Um, will the feel be right? And will, will I be able to say something that's really hard and makes me vulnerable? Maybe it makes me look, maybe it makes me look a little bit bad just because I need to say it. I I'm less concerned about looking good than I am in my daily life. In daily life, we have to put on a good face and, you know, fit with everything that we're supposed to fit with. But in art, I don't, really feel any need to do that or any obligation. I feel more obligated to be honest. I love that. I love that, Cass. Um, Thank you. You, you know, so um, it's not that you don't care what the reaction of others are. Obviously you do, but I do. it yeah. sounds like you are saying to me and to everyone listening that, you know what, as an artist, I want to be true to my heart first and then wonderful things can happen. I couldn't have said it better. I mean, that is, it's really, there aren't many places in life where you get a chance to step back and let your heart re-break for a moment just to say something that you needed to say that's been troubling you for a while. And I really don't think there can be any art without that tension of needing to get that out. And it's funny, once, once the song is written for me and recorded, like, I almost don't even need to sing it. It is just it's so healing and so freeing um, because we all have to live in our boxes. You know, I mean, men have hoops they have to jump through just because they're men. Women have hoops they have to jump through just because of the stereotypes of being female. And then you can take that into, you know, all the societal expectations based on the region you grew up in. And, you know, if you live in the suburbs, you're expected to behave a certain way, but this is a place it's like my safe space. I do care what people think. And sometimes I worry that people will think that, um, you know, I'm really stepping outside of what I, what a woman should be allowed to say, or, 
you know, I do worry about that, but not enough to ever stop myself from saying what I need to say. And there was one time when I almost didn't say it and then Taylor caught it. I don't know how he remembered the line that I dropped out of a song, but he, he did. And he's like, did you censor that out? And I, I was like, oh, yes, I did. <laughs> and he's like, oh, put it no. back in. <laughs> 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 well, you do have a certain sense of boldness as an artist. Intrigued that you shared all of that because that's often what I have thought, that you do have a, a boldness, uh, not in an off-putting manner. I just feel like, hey, you know, you're, you're, willing, to, you're willing to bleed a little bit. Uh, as, yeah. as, you're, as you're sharing emotions and thoughts, and and you also discuss storytelling uh, just a few minutes ago, and uh, many of your songs have that storytelling element, which we don't often hear quite as much these days. I mean, it's still out there, but mm-hmm. but sometimes we don't hear you know a storytelling approach with music, which can be a wonderful experience, and you do it so well, Cass. Thank you so much. That is absolutely my favorite part of of doing this. It's really, I think it at the heart of it, I just want to say something that really, it, if it's if it's something that I need to say, I feel like I'm not really unique. I mean, it's I am a pretty normal person. So I think there are so many universal themes that run through all of our pain. Um, it's why I can sing a blues song that was written, you know, 50 years ago and still connect with it because the thread of what humanity goes through is similar. Even if I didn't experience the exact same thing, I can imagine myself in that person's place and still feel it. And you shared with me, and this was also discussed uh, on your, your first visit with me, that Bonnie Raitt has a very big influence on you as an artist. She really does. I mean, more than any other contemporary female musician, and there are a lot who I love and listen to. Um, I mean, she is inspirational as a, the stories she chooses, um, the way she plays her instrument, you know, with such sincerity and emotion and an incredible skill, obviously. She's dedicated her whole life to an art form and started at such a young age. And I think everything she does comes off as effortless. And like, she's just sitting in the room talking with you. And I really believe that's why she's still, she'll always be relevant. She'll always be relevant. She's a musician She's a musician's musician, but she's also not high and mighty. She still connects with people who really just want to hear a song and not think too deeply about it. You know, like that's just a good song. You just know it the second you hear it. I like that she's approachable. I'd like to go ahead and bring up uh, song number one that is uh, on Play Nice. Perhaps I should say track number one. And folks, I'm going to play a portion of this song at the conclusion of today's episode. I cannot wait uh, to uh, share the song for those who have not heard it yet. It's certainly one of my favorites from the album, and it is called Dolls County. I would like to ask you, Cass, the story behind this song. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, this song is really a song that I must have needed to write for years. It's Dodge County is my home county in Nebraska. And um, by the way, this, this song is just about just as much about Morrill County, which is right next to it, which is my grandmother's county. So I went back and forth between these two places my entire childhood. And um, as farming became less of a way to make a living and farms were dying, you know, I watched my grandmother's town in particular just kind of shrink and shrink and shrink. And then eventually the grocery store burnt down and it didn't get rebuilt because there weren't enough people to support a grocery store. And, you know, you could see this kind of hopelessness and then drugs kind of came in to a lot of these small towns. And in the chorus of that song, I is, I won't be coming home again. And the song is really me stating all the reasons I don't want to come back. But um, the real truth is that there's nothing really to go back to. My grandparents have passed away. My, my parents are long gone because they needed to find lives that made sense for them where you could make a living. And I think a lot of people have a, a town they can't go back to. I certainly can't go back, but I'd love to experience my home the way it was, maybe not the way it is now. And there, you know, Dodge County is a beautiful, beautiful place. Um, it's just, there are certain dotted little towns in these rural communities that have suffered greatly because of the change in, you know, from small farms to corporate farms. Thank you, Cass, for sharing the backstory of Dawes County. Looking forward to sharing the song at the conclusion of today's episode. Certainly one of my new favorites of yours. Although I seem to have a lot of favorites, Cass, another one I would like to bring up is the title song. We heard it at the uh, startup of today's episode. Really, really like that song. Uh, why did you decide to title the album Play Nice? And is there any other story behind the uh, song itself? Yeah, there, Play Nice. Um, well, for one, one reason I found that title interesting is that you know, I started out singing blues and in blues, there's a very old history of the double entendre. It's a, you know, something with a double meaning that is steeped throughout the blues and double entendres also came out of slavery actually, because, um, you know, there was a lot of code messaging and this is not that kind of double entendre. A lot of times a double entendre or, or a phrase or a word with a double meaning one meaning was kind of innocent and obvious and the other meaning was more sexual or, you know, kind of risque. And so I love that kind of nod to the roots that got me started in music and that I'm always calling upon and, you know, digging deeper into this, you know, blues history, which is really the history of American music. And um, so much of what we hear as rock and roll, you know, of course came out of blues and gospel and that early roots music play nice. The devil entendre is at the surface. The song is about, um, you know, a, a girl who walks in the bar and, or she's, she's sitting at a bar and, and a musician walks in and he sits down, gets a drink 
And then he gets up and plays and he plays nice. I mean, he plays so beautifully. She kind of just gets absorbed in his playing and falls in love with him kind of, you know, for that moment. One of the reasons I wanted to talk about that is that when I'm playing music or listening to music that I really, really love, there is this kind of like suspended reality where you just kind of fall in love with that moment and that person in front of you just for that moment. And it's always been amazing to me, the power of music to break through somebody's, everybody's hard exterior, everybody's stuff that they went through that day and everybody's in the same place listening to the same thing and maybe even feeling similar emotions. It's a pretty magical thing. So that was the first meaning of play nice, you know, just the beautiful experience of playing music nicely or listen to, listening to somebody else doing that. Um, and then the second meaning of this is that at the end of this story, she, you know, he walks up to her and, and asks her about herself and, you know, why shouldn't we go home together basically is the story. And they, they end up doing that. And there's this kind of twist at the end of the song that's unexpected. Um, one of the things about play nice that I think is this hanging thing at the end that I really wanted to be there is that there's a sensuality that runs through it that we don't really get to explore in our daily lives because we're so busy. And there's also a little sadness at the end. She's the very last line is see you later, sweet stranger. And there's this implication she probably won't see him later. You know, at least that's the way I feel about the story. She's probably not going to see him later. It was a moment and it was a perfect moment. Um, but the play nice, the second meaning is play nice in bed. So it's really exploring a modern version of that old idea of the double meaning. Wow. That was a, that was a, a, a phenomenal answer. Thank you, Cass. I mean, that really shows you the uh, depth to your, uh, many of your songs and and wow that 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 is just uh, Thank fantastic. You. I enjoyed listening to every moment and 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 the sensual side of of the meaning behind that song. You know that really got me. So thank you for yeah. sharing that. Um, um, that Thanks just... for asking the question. I think people always wonder about that song and are afraid to ask about it because they're afraid <laughs> they're going to put me on the spot. But you know, I always feel like if I wrote it. Um, I'm ready to, you know, fess up that this is stuff that women in the suburbs think about too. Like, (laughs) 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 I hear you. I I think we're pretty afraid in our culture because, and I was, I was brought up in a Baptist church and everything. And so I think there's a slightly rebellious side of me too, that has to say these things because I was so buttoned up for so long. (laughs) Sometimes I just need to say, Hey, can we just talk about this for a second? Um, you know, can we just acknowledge that we're sensual beings and we have this side of ourselves that needs to be expressed and maybe music allows us to express it. And we're, you know, it's not literal, you know, we're not going home with a guitar player, but it's a really, really nice story that expresses that, that human need. And music does, uh, provide a wonderful avenue for many of the topics that you just uh, brought up. Um, I mean, that's one of the uh, powers and joys of music. It can take you to so many places in your heart and in your mind and even your soul. 
that maybe you weren't even aware was there or you've put on a shelf somewhere and music can help bring that out. So thank you for that enlightenment. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for such a thoughtful question. I just, that's why I love writing. That's, that's the part that I really enjoy. And you do it very well. I just really, really love this album in case folks aren't uh, able to pick up on that um, because I enjoyed your first album so much, Cass. I had no doubt that your second one was going to be equally as well. But I have to tell you, you know, you have a certain style and approach, but there's a lot of freshness on this album. And I don't think that's always easy to achieve. And I could see where you ventured out into some new areas and with what you had to say. And yet at the same time, you're still saying, hey, remember, this is the style I have. You mix it all together and you have play nice oh thank you (laughs) i am so grateful to be able to do a second album so quickly after the first one we really had you know we released the first album that taylor scott co-wrote and produced in 2018 we released that at the end of may and then this one at the end of july in 2019 and it was just so fast I didn't know if I was ready to write again or if I had anything to say, but it just started flowing. It, it didn't, it didn't flow initially. I was actually pretty, pretty scared that I wouldn't have anything um, at all. So I, I always feel like there's that danger that I just wrote my last song ever. Um, <laughs> oh no. It's always really a scary thing for me to sit down the blank page initially. And then And with this album, I started writing it when I was in Mexico on a family vacation, which was a terrible time to start writing. But um, the gift was, so I kind of ruined that vacation for myself because I was so obsessed with getting these two songs down on paper while I was there. And they wouldn't come. They just wouldn't come. No matter what direction I went at it, I was just kind of torturing myself. I had nothing that was coming out correctly. And this is the true process of writing that is you don't get to tell the song what it's going to be. And I was trying to do that. And then I got back home and Taylor said, why don't you just like relax for a while and get away from it? Don't try to push it so hard. I can't remember his exact words, but he was really, I think he knew from experience what that was like because he's a phenomenal writer in his own in his own right. Um, so I did. And then when I sat down again, one of the songs just came out completely fully fleshed out in one sit sitting. And it was a completely different song than I'd been trying to write. And it said something different that I did not want to expose about myself and it had to come out. (laughs) (laughs) So I mean, a lot of times this is like the, the lesson for me is always, you know, bow down to the song. The song is not just about a song. It's about, uh, you know, a healing or allowing something to come through, learning something. So a lot of it has to come through your subconscious and you're fishing in this gray area. And when you start going into your subconscious, if you're, unless you had the perfect June and Ward Cleaver childhood and nothing ever went wrong, which I don't think is that many of us, 
you're going to go down some dark alleys (laughs) (laughs) in your unconscious mind. You don't know what you're going to run into there. And I think that was exactly what I was afraid of hitting. And as soon as I let go, the rest of the album flowed much more easily. And that's why you are such a sincere artist to me, because you're willing to explore all of this within you and then share it with the uh, world. And I think often that takes courage. And then at other times, it's, uh, it's, it's also a learning experience for you. You can discover something about yourself that maybe you weren't uh, uh, tapping into as much. Like you said, different sides to all of us at different times. And, and that was a fantastic description. I'll share this with you, Cass. Yes. I was listening to you, you know, describe how you were concerned about, well, is there any more for me to write? I mean, is it going to come out, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And I have to tell you, it made me think of a story involving Frank Sinatra. So I hope oh. this is something you can always uh, keep with you during those moments and bring you comfort, Cass. Okay. Obviously, yes. we all know how, um, you know, outstanding of a singer and oh. and and just Such an outstanding artist that Frank Sinatra yeah. truly was. That yeah. being said, I had uh, heard of a story where he once shared uh, later on in his life and career that every time he was about to go step on stage, he secretly panicked on the, on the inside and wondered as he started to sing the first n- note if the voice was actually going to come out the way that everybody expected it to. Oh. That he didn't even know really? if it would. And just think wow. how masterful Frank Sinatra was. And, you know, hopefully in a way that'll bring you some comfort that, you know what? You just got to wow. keep going and, 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 and do all the best that you can. Oh, I had no idea. That is so surprising because he's, to me, the epitome of like almost, you know, his self-confidence seemed almost to have a swagger to its swagger, you oh, know, like yes. <laughs> ultimate picture of self-confidence as a performer. And I am so glad you told me that. I mean, that's well, you're most amazing. Welcome. I think we're all human, right? It's, I think that's the, we the meaning behind be it. Safe. That's mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. That even the best yeah. can have, um, I guess some might call it stage fright. Yeah. Others just you yeah. know, might call it, you know, uh, just some uh, anxiety of, of, Hey, do I still have this? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I think, um, wow, that's amazing. That's really great to know. Well, I think this is a perfect opportunity to uh, play a portion of a song from your uh, fantastic and terrific new album. And I chose uh, the titled song, B-Side. I think it's fabulous. Oh, great. And here we go. Here's a portion of B-Side. Jump in. 
in the middle of the night What's hidden in your shadows? Do you bark before you bite? Playing the A-side Over and over all night long What about the Cass, I <laughs> love that song. Uh, a couple things I, I wanted so to. I'm thrilled that you love it. I love it, and I wanted to ask you. Uh, first of all, the guitar that we, you know, just that sound, I really dig it. Mm-hmm. But also, I wanted to ask you. Um, it's interesting that you placed the song at number four, I believe, and it seemed to me that that song kind of takes the album in a, in a, in a different direction at that point. And I really like that choice of yours. Mm, oh, wow. Well, thank you. Um, I think, again, you know, these choices of, well, first of all, in terms of the placement of a song in the album lineup, uh, Taylor is really, really good at that. It it was a producer decision in the end. Um, but I want to also say that most bands are not putting out an album anymore where the whole thing almost tells a story like a movie. And I felt like we had this thing going, this thread through this, um, through this whole album. The very last song that we needed to do was going to be a cover song. And Taylor kept throwing out cover songs to me. He was looking also for something that told the rest of the story, this kind of side of love that, we don't look at all the time. Um, but that, you know, if you're not 25 anymore, maybe even if you are 25, you're experiencing the dark side of love as well as the light side of love. The part where you lose the person or the person isn't completely divulging everything to you. So you feel like something they're holding back. You know, there are these little dark sides of love. And B side is very much about um, the, you know, the B side of the record to me, um, being somebody who used to have a bunch of record albums, used to open up the album cover and read the songs. And a lot of times there were these gems on the B side, right? There's like, if you take a single on one side is this, the song that they know is going to be popular. They put it out because it's for everybody's consumption. It's for mass consumption. It's easy to digest. But if you're a music lover, sometimes they're the big gems are on the other side. Maybe the thing that's more um, yes, that's right. Sophisticated and complicated, and so B side compares that to a relationship. You know, it, you know when you first meet somebody, you show them your your perfect A side, and you know you never get mad, you never um, you never do anything wrong. Your hair is always <laughs> just so. You always you wake up with makeup on. You know, you always like, look <laughs> nice. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but that part isn't very interesting for very long, right? Like if somebody only shows you that side, eventually they're just kind of a one dimensional, not very interesting person. And so at, in every relationship at some point you internally unconsciously make the decision that you're going to show all of it. And you, you're just going to be with that person as you are. And it comes out of comfort. And that's a lot of times where the gems of the human being are. 
the things that are our weaknesses are also sometimes the things that are really make us strong and interesting. So that's, um, you know, it starts out, if you were a record on my shelf, you know, I play United Day. So it's, oh, that's going to make me cry. But it's, um, it's that kind of song that, like, I want the B-side. I don't just want your A-side. I want it all. And that is, that is always a good thing if there is someone that wants it all, not just your, your A-side, but your B-side. I, I just love your descriptions, Cass, when it comes to describing your music and your artistic journey. I really do. Thank you so much. I mean, it's, it's really fun to talk about it because I think uh, it's, it's one thing to write these songs, but they are, in the same way that a poem is somewhat cryptic, sometimes a song is a little cryptic. So it's fun to like really talk it out and share what it's really about. Absolutely. And your first visit with me, um, which I still think of so fondly, and I continue to hear wonderful feedback from listeners. In fact, just the other day, someone brought up listening to the interview, and they thought you were just a, a, a wonderful guest. So you made me look good, Cass. Aww. Thank you so much. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you make each other look good. <laughs> Thank you. But I was just thinking how we talked about you know, some of our joy of 80s music, and that was a fun moment from that interview. But I'm listening to this yeah. new answer you have in describing that song. Oh, wow, what what a great answer. And it made me, you, you mentioned how those, those B-sides of songs or the songs that aren't hits, right, per yeah. se. Um, you know what? Uh, some of those are gems. And sometimes yeah. I've listened to songs and I've gone, why is this not a hit? Like, I think somebody missed the right. boat there because it's really, really good. Um, but I like yeah. what you said about how albums, you know, especially back in the day, used to tell stories or they had a certain atmosphere. And I have a perfect example yep. for you, Cass. I don't know if you've listened to this whole album. I know you've no doubt heard some of the songs. But okay. the very first album I ever received, my aunt bought it for me back in the 80s, and it was my yeah. first rock album, right? My first album, and oh, it was so Billy cool. Joel's An Innocent Man. And oh, every yeah. single song is good, but yes. think how unique that album is with, with the throwback oh. music. And uh, the more you listen to it these days, you realize, man, that was a special, special album. And then I was thinking about yeah. how Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA had its own style, but his next mm -hmm. album wasn't a repeat. Tunnel of Love comes along a few years later, and mm -hmm. those songs are its own story. You know, Brilliant Disguise. No question. Um, I never thought about that. Yes. Very and it, true. You know, think about that. Bruce could have extended all that he did or that successful album, and yet he decided as an artist to say, hey, I'm going to go in this direction. And I just love it when artists wow. have that mindset. And you do, Cass. I think that's one of the big positives about you as an artist. Oh, well, thank you so much, because I think... I am really, I think it's less risky for me to do that than it would have been for somebody like Billy Joel or Bruce Springsteen in a way, because as an independent artist, nobody is, nobody is hanging on the edge of their seat and, you know, afraid of losing millions of dollars if you made the wrong choice artistically. Um, you know, those must have been incredibly difficult 
decisions for them to make and to stick to their art- artistic guns. I really admire that. Um, now, I, I think with so many musicians not ever signing to a label or really waiting a long time before they signed to even an indie label, um, there's just this incredible artistic freedom. You can, you don't have to stick to a genre or to what you did last time. I think there's always a thread you can hear that connects, you know, you just your own sound. You have your own sound and your own style, but, and hopefully that thread comes through. But, um, you know, I've already started thinking about like the next thing and how am I going to make it different for myself? Like, you know, it's really, to me, not ever letting anything get stagnant just because, oh, I know how to do this now. I tend to be restless in that way. So as soon as I know how to do one thing, I've already moved on to trying to figure out how to do something I don't know how to do. Very exciting. I, I'm, I can't wait for album number three, Cass. And, <laughs> I mean, okay, so I realize your second album just came out a while back. But what about, <laughs> is it too soon to ask about album number three? <laughs> well, um, you know, I probably it is. It's, I mean, I fantasize. That's high about, demand, about Cass. I'll tell you right there. That's high demand. I, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I'll write it just for you because I, I, I am thinking about another album, but I also am thinking about doing it differently. Um, one of the challenges that musicians have now, and I don't think this is any secret, even for people who aren't in this industry, um, people are releasing singles more regularly than full albums. One of the reasons is that um, a lot of people don't listen to an album front to back anymore. They might hear your song for the first time on a Spotify playlist, and it's not on your album that they hear it. They're hearing it on in a, you know, female songwriters playlist or whatever that might be. And just because somebody likes your song, saves your song, doesn't mean they'll ever make their way back to your album. It's just a different type of listening now. So the way you and I are listening, I still listen to albums front to back. I want to know what that's about, especially if it's a musician I really like, and I know that they have something to say that could involve a whole album. Um, But because that's not the way most people listen anymore, um, it's it's financially challenging to release a whole album. So what a lot of musicians do is release a single or two singles at a time until they have another album. And so we, I haven't really decided. I never stopped writing anymore. I I used to just not write. Like the last album, I didn't didn't want to write for a while. But now I feel like it's part of me, and I'm wake up in the middle of the night and write a note. Or, you know, I'm driving in my car and I write a note. (laughs) I'm constantly writing notes of what could become songs later. Um, So as much as I want to do a whole album next, I don't know if it'll be a whole album immediately or if I'll do a couple singles first. Very understandable. And, uh, hey, you already have an advanced invitation to come here and talk about album number three. Just so you know. Thank you. Thank you. I so appreciate that. You can even make me the and first show to, to, that you visit um, if I that will. works out for you. Since you're saying it, I will do that. 
Well, it would be my honor, and it's very um, <laughs> wow. You uh, just um, you just hit the you know the spot there with that description of writing stuff down in the car or when you're out and about. Because I'm a, a man of many hats, as you know, Cass, and yes, I think most I of the do. listeners do. So yes. I come up with ideas sometimes when I'm out in public or at a store, and I go, "Wait a minute, I can do this." I can right. do that. Um, or I um, I want to ask this person to be a guest. Or I'm going to try something yeah. totally different on this uh, upcoming episode. So it does happen to me, too. And it's it's uh, yes. quite interesting when that does happen. And I think, if, I don't know if it's this way for you, but um, the more you pay attention and write those little notes, the more you get these little breadcrumbs from of ideas because you're paying attention. It is that way for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. if I stop yes. taking down notes, it seems like I don't notice things as much. It's kind of like photographers, you know, they must see everything like, oh, that's an opportunity. They must notice beautiful images more because they're mm-hmm. they're awake to it. They're paying attention. And so you're paying attention to these beautiful ideas that could end up in a show. But if you stop paying attention to them, they don't come up as much. That 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 sounds like the approach that talented directors take as well, because they're you know oh. we get so used to watching stuff, but um, it, you know I th- often think about how a director is like a a painter bringing something to yeah. life that moves, and that's what those shots are, and I always appreciate yes. wonderful cinematography. Um, it just speaks oh. volumes. Me too. I mean, I think that's the thing that in our culture, movies and music are something everyone universally is pretty educated on. You know, we have our own vocabulary. Yes. And I'm just so grateful to have so many amazing folks like you come visit me here. I'm I'm really grateful for that. Well, I did want to ask you uh, before I ask you, um, you know, if you're, uh, out and about touring, which I assume you probably are. Um, I did want to ask you, what about doing a duet? Oh, fun. Now, if yeah. I could sing, I would offer to, uh, you know, my services. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I've always felt there was a singer down in me because you described it. Uh, you described it completely. Cass, I, I, I do have a strong connection to music. Um, I've just never had any training, I so I don't know what my singing voice would sound like. But back to you, have you ever thought of that idea? Um, I think it could be very interesting under the right circumstances. Oh, wow. It's so funny that you're bringing this up because I've been watching this history of country music on PBS um, you know, I haven't, I don't have a lot of time to sit lately, but I, when I do have a few minutes, I really have been enjoying that because I didn't grow up on country music. Um, I grew up on blues, rock and jazz. And so I have no vocabulary for it. And there's this great American history there. And one of the histories that came out of um, country music is duets. There are so so many male-female duets, and they're so beautiful. And for a while, it was almost like you couldn't be a female singer unless you were singing with a man on stage in in that country world. Um, And then those molds gradually began to be broken. 
But as I watch those duets, they are so masterful. Like, you know, they're watching each other's lips. They are just in sync. And you can feel the energy between them. I think there's something absolutely magical about duets. And yes, I want to do that. I absolutely want to do that. You know, in the studio, Taylor Scott was singing some background vocals and he has, we have voices that really complement each other. So if we ever do some kind of acoustic thing, I think he'd be a person to do it. Um, just because our voices really work well together and we know how to do that at this point. Um, but it's really, it's its own art form. It really is yes. different. Him sing, you know, singing background vocals is way different than singing a duet. Well, I I'm really enjoy serious, good I duets. Say that. I'm super excited about that. I'm going to have to make this happen. <laughs> hey, well, maybe I, maybe I um, uh, inspired you just a, a sm- in a small way. So that would be I awesome. I think you did. <laughs> uh, you really did. Well, thank and you, And I Cass. always pay attention to, you know, like what you were just saying with writing notes. Um, I always notice if I keep getting little breadcrumbs of something that I get pinged on from different directions and different people and I start getting things multiple times in one week or in a couple of days, I'll be like, hmm, maybe that's for me to notice. You know, it's like, that's the thing. I feel like when, when I'm tuned into writing, the world becomes a little more mystical that way. Well, I really appreciate all that you share with me, not only on this episode, but your first episode as well. And I'm just having a doubly good time. Now, what about touring? Uh, are you out there and performing on the stage in Colorado? We are. We've done a lot of shows here in Colorado. We've done multiple CD release shows to share all the new music um, okay. in multiple cities. And we're getting ready to go back to my home state of Nebraska tomorrow, oh, wow. playing at a place that's really kind of famous in the blues world called the Zoo Bar in Lincoln, Nebraska. And I've always wanted to play there. I mean, half of Nebraska college kids completely misspent their entire youth there. Like, (laughs) 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 if you are into, you know, music, that's got a blues foundation or kind of soulful like that. A lot of the great blues musicians have been there and played not just once, but over and over again. So, it's so exciting, and Taylor Scott happens to be in town, so he'll be playing guitar with us, you know, even even though he's not in our band, he's going to join us as a guest. And then um, we'll be, you know, stopping through Indiana for a big farm centennial. My husband's family farm is 100 years old this year, so we're doing a huge blowout barn party there with a couple hundred people. <laughs> oh, and then we come back. It's going to be so yeah, much fun. It's going to be so much fun. There's good stuff coming. And, you know, whether it makes sense to, you know, really tour full time, I think we're still figuring that out. I've never felt obligated to follow everybody's model in that way. I know the model is, you know, you break a record and then you go on tour and, and you do that. So I've always been open to it, but it, I hear more and more from bands about, you know, just barely breaking even or, you know, some other or losing money on a tour. And I've always felt like we've never done anything with any logical model. I mean, I just started, I sang for the first time in my life five years ago 
And immediately things took off in a direction that was unanticipated and couldn't have been predicted. So I feel like I just take the next logical step. We're probably going to be traveling more, but it probably won't look like the way most bands do it because nothing else that we've done ever has. So I just feel like grateful to be making the music and doing what I love. I think that's a really um, wise outlook and plan. And you know what, Cass? Um, yeah. And this is going to sound like I'm one of your uh, uh, managers or something, but but I have yeah, to tell yeah. you, um, I, uh-huh. I, I like that approach because you know what? Instead of like going for it all once a new album is out in your particular situation, and like you yeah. said, uh, with other artists sometimes struggling, um, it's not that they don't want to go out and tour, but there's just Right. factors but you know what how about yes. maybe a trip here and a trip there stretched out over time and hey exactly there you go you could have to Cincinnati. You know, um you just read my mind because <laughs> <laughs> i would love Yay. to have you here in the queen city i would love it and i can plan that really easily that's an easy drive well, I'm all for it, and I will be there to uh, cheer you on. I Definitely, one of my goals is to, to most definitely see you perform live and, and to be able to meet you in person and let you know how grateful I am for, for all of your support of me and for being such a fabulous guest, too. Oh, my gosh. I think it was just in, simpatico immediately with, with talking <laughs> with you. It was it's you're an amazing interview because you ask questions that I think are really, they're just interesting. They make me go deeper and, you know, just say what I really hadn't thought of before. I think that's the, the great thing about any art form is that when you are just yourself and you're just having a conversation, then the other person's like, Oh, I don't have to be nervous about this. I can just talk with you. We're just, we're friends, you know? And so I wish they were all like that, but it's wonderful when when it does happen. It's really nice. I can definitely picture us um, either before your show or afterwards. I guess there would be a lot Absolutely. of uh, factors in that. Both. both. <laughs> Just talking <laughs> yes. about um, art artistic projects and ideas and maybe just yes. life in general. I, I, think, I think we'd be talking for a few hours or so. Yeah, I don't think we'll run out of uh, things to discuss <laughs> ever. Well, and, and you would discover that, hey, I try to be a very good listener. And then sometimes, boy, I, I can I, I can get going and, and, and talk a lot. So <laughs> I hope you like that. You're good combo. at both. I think well, that's, that's what a conversation is. I love that. It's your whole style and banter and discussion that goes oh, back and forth you. that really makes the interview work. It's just, it's kind of like David Letterman, you know, <laughs> it's yes. fun to see all the guests that you really tune in because you know he's going to be David Letterman well, and, and he's got that's this true. thing going back. And you've got this really lovely way of bringing out the best in people and also just a really great voice. I mean, oh, not you. everybody has a great radio voice. So, yeah. Well, thank you. I, I, you've, oh, boy, I think you've made my month now. And let's oh, move yay. it up to a month instead <laughs> of a day. I don't know if that catches you off guard when people say something to you, but... Um, uh, but, but I mean, thank it's you. still hard for me to like take any kind of compliment in because, you know, I was raised in a very, very conservative family. My mom still can't take a compliment to save her life. And oh my. we were just raised not to, to always divert a compliment. And so I always used to say, oh, no, 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 no. 
and then somebody pointed it out to me in this business. They're like, you've got to just like learn to like allow that, you know, because when you give a compliment to somebody, it's genuine and you want them to like allow it. I'm like, oh yeah, okay. So I'm learning to take it in, but it's certainly those, you know, conservative upbringing, uh, you know, it wasn't, it's that it's always like, don't be, right. don't get too big for your britches or anything like that. So you got that right. Uh, as if well, it was possible, you know, like the way we were brought up, <laughs> right. I mean, there's no way anybody in my family could ever feel that kind of self-confidence. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Yeah. Yeah. I hear <sighs> Well, if you ever do make it to the Queen City, I just want to tell you real quick before we continue, is that I do have some connections with a uh, local television um, station. It, it's, oh, um, lovely. It's a, it's a Fox Wonderful. station here, but they have a wonderful morning show. Like, uh, oh, I mean, Cincinnati wow. has a lot of wonderful television newscasters. It's just something I've noticed. But the, the Fox people in the morning, they're just like instead of all gloom and doom, they try to have some fun. You can tell they're, they're really good people. Uh, a lot of them really love music. And I, I, I have a connection with a film critic there. And um, I, I just feel that maybe I might be able to help you to be a guest on there. So keep that in mind. Oh, wow. I think that would be so amazing. We could do a show in the evening and a, and a, and a TV show in the morning. That would be That's right. Maybe you can in, so invite me fun. to stay in the lobby while you're there. So We will just hang out. It'll be, I really am looking forward to that. I can't wait to meet you in person. Well, that makes two of us, and, and I would really, really enjoy that. And, um, Thank that you. Would just be, I would be all smiles watching you play, just so you know. Thank you. Thank you. We have a really, really nice time. I hold my liquor well, so you'll probably be very oh, yeah, impressed. <laughs> you know how some people's personalities change, like not for the yeah. best? And I, yeah, I just, I uh, that's not me. I just wanted to let you know. Me neither. I, you know, it's funny because uh, I, it, it's an interesting thing. My voice hates alcohol. So my voice, a lot of times I don't drink at all until I'll have a, a drink after a show sometimes. Gotcha. Um, my but I can hold alcohol really, really well. I, I mean, can too. In my family, as long as I've had something to eat, just, I'm good. Yeah. I wish I could drink during shows because it would take the edge <laughs> off of nervousness. But I just, you know, it's drying. Vocal cords don't like to be dry. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. And, um, and you know, I don't blame you at all. I don't blame you at all. So I, I'm sure one day we will cross paths and that'll be wonderful. I'm sure we will. Cass, I wanted to bring up the album cover. I really, yeah. really like the layout. It really um, grabs you, stands out in a very uh, colorful and interesting way. Is there a story behind the making of the cover art for your album? Oh, you know, that is, there is such a funny story about that. Um, you know, I really wanted an album cover that would express this kind of, theme of the album of kind of not just the bright side of love, but kind of the dark side. Like, you know, there are pieces in a lot of this album is, you know, the things that are sometimes challenging in love. And so I didn't want like roses that were in bloom. I wanted something that was a little moody. And what happened is we were on very, very intense deadlines. We were needing to get the album cover done within one week, basically. And 
my sister was in coming, was coming in town. My sister is a phenomenal painter and artist. And we were doing a live show and we were outdoors and my favorite photographer, Anthony Earl was there and with his fiance, Tara Leone, who's a phenomenal artist herself. And I had this, like, it literally just kind of flashed in my mind of me laying down on the sidewalk and fanning my hair out. And so I laid down on the sidewalk, his fiance, Tara fanned my hair out in all directions and he got the shot. And he's just, he's such a phenomenal artist with lighting and everything. So we had this base shot. And then when my sister came in town, I'm like, can you paint around this, you know, images of, you know, like flowers that are maybe a little darker and wilting. And there's a dark bird that's, you know, in there. And there's a, there's a black butterfly, which to me is, you know, a sign of, you know, butterflies are freedom in their light, but they're also kind of symbolic of short life. You know, they don't live very long. And so there are all these, you know, kind of symbols that are a little on the dark side. And when she finished the album cover, I was just blown away. She painted the entire thing in one day. Wow. Wow. That is, that is impressive. Thank you for sharing that, Cass. Thank you. I mean, I was just so thrilled that my sister, who is so amazing, and I'm so close to her, it meant so much to me that she did that cover. Because um, she was going through some pretty heavy stuff in her life with regard to the complications of relationships. And so it was perfect. Um, she is such a consummate artist. Um, I was teasing her because one time she painted it, she was going through something tough and she painted an entire painting with tears using watercolors, but using her tears instead of water. <laughs> and she was laughing so hard as she told this story because she's like, it's like a, a dramatic teenager who would do that. She's like, I'm <laughs> and then she was running out of tears and didn't feel sad anymore and had to force herself to cry, which made us laugh even harder. So I'm like, you know, I was teasing her, you know, if you could paint the entire album cover with your tears, like, I kind of feel like it would be a better story. And she's like, yeah, you can kiss mm. off. She's like, <laughs> she's like, that's not going to happen. So it wasn't painted with tears, but. Yes, yes. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> oh my goodness. Cass, before we wrap up um, your visit today on the show, I, I hate to see you go, but I guess I guess that's inevitable. Um, I thought I'd go ahead and ask you how the listeners out there could track down your outstanding album, Play Nice. Well, thank you for asking. We are, first of all, any place people tend to get music, you, um, iTunes, Apple Music. Um, we also have a website that is CassClayton.com, which is C-A-S-S, Clayton. And uh, all of our music is there to, you know, just listen or download or get a physical copy. And so thank you. We're, we're grateful. We're so glad that people are enjoying the music and listening to it. And I am just so, so thankful for you and the great conversations we have. As I am for you. And you do have a fabulous website, so I really do encourage folks to uh, visit it, and they'll learn so much more about you. And and I Thank also you. encourage folks to listen to your first appearance on the show, because I have to say it again, 
you know, I'm not just saying this <laughs> to those who are listening yeah. to this one first. It really is a sentimental interview, and it, it's about your background and your artistic journey. So I want to recommend and encourage people to definitely listen to it. it. It's a great episode. Thank you. It really was just such a magical discussion. It really was wonderful. And here we I've go. I've more more comments on that. I mean, I really have. Well, I'm very, uh, very glad to hear that. That warms my heart, as does your music and voice. And how about we hear some of your music and voice? As mentioned uh, earlier in the episode, here is a portion of Dawes County. This is the perfect way to conclude the episode. Oh, boy. Listen to that voice, folks. This is host Stephen Brittingham. I'll see you on another episode of Hollywood and Beyond. Dawes County knows who I am. Three generations on borrowed land. For years we farmed that piece of ground to which we're always bound. Used to be a pretty drive-through town. Now the streets are empty. Shut down. Fifteen churches, but you can't buy a drink. Hell of a missing link. And I won't be coming home again. Won't be coming home. I won't be coming home again. Stephen Brittingham, your comments and questions to Hollywood and Beyond Show at gmail.com. That is Hollywood and Beyond Show at gmail.com. Stephen looks forward to hearing from you soon. Hollywood and Beyond podcast created, produced, and hosted by actor and writer Stephen Brittingham. Thank you for listening.